This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future.
thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing in our midst. We thank you for eyes that see and ears that hear. And, Father, hearts that are towards you. And we just purpose in our heart right now that we want everything that you want for us. We've come to hear and to be healed. And we won't leave disappointed. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you. I come against every work of the enemy. I bind you. Every evil thing, Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. And I loose the power of the Holy Spirit in this place today. Every knee bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And we thank you and we praise you and we believe for that thing that we need or those things that we need today. Father, you said to draw nigh to you, you would draw nigh to us. So today we just draw nigh to you with expectation, expectation and expectation that we receive what we came for, Father. And as we have been freely received, we freely give in Jesus name amen glory to God thank you thank you Lauren oh that's so wonderful glory to God well good morning did you come to receive this morning amen amen glory to God I know where we're going to start out this morning I'm not quite sure where we're going to end um think it's going to be interesting today. So let's go ahead. I want to talk to you this morning about uh, God's healing ways and knowing God's word. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Joe Rook. I'm the director of the healing and wellness ministry here at Church of the Harvest. And uh, I'm delighted to see you all. I'm glad that you've come. And purpose in your heart that you will not leave the same way you came. Whatever you need, God is no respecter of persons. Whatever you need, he has a supply for it. And so just release your faith to believe that you receive and walk out of here different than the way you came. And if you have a, um, what I call a report from hell, the one that says you will never, you can't, you won't, you will have this issue all the years of your life, you know, arthritis is one of those things. And um, uh, people say, well, you're going to have to live with it. Well, I'm a student of the Word. I don't see anywhere in the Word of God that says I have to live with arthritis. So we're going to kick it out. We're going to get it going, and we're going to get healing manifested. Jesus is the healer. The Word was God. He became flesh. He is God. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's no respecter of persons. If you can see anywhere in the scriptures that Jesus did something for somebody, you can have that same thing. So um, I heard this kind of come up in my spirit. Um, is healing for everybody? Does everybody always get healed? Well, let me just ask you a question. Is healing for everybody? Okay. How do we know that healing is for everybody? God is no respecter of persons, right? All right. So we want to take it a little step further in case you have any skepticism in your mind. Did Jesus ever give anybody cancer to teach them something? 
Did he ever give them leprosy to teach them anything? And so what did the father say? The father said, this is my beloved son in who I am partly pleased? Well pleased, right? And what did Jesus say? I only do what I hear my father say or see my father do, right? And so the scripture says that he perfectly pleased the father. And so if every time that somebody came to Jesus for healing, he healed them and he perfectly pleased the father, then to go against that would be breaking the covenant, wouldn't it? It would be going against something that God said belongs to us, is ours, that he freely gave. Now, let me just ask you this question. Let's just say we all go out to lunch, and Nancy and Roger pay for all of our lunch. Thank you, Nancy and Roger. We have just this wonderful buffet. I mean, it's out there. But let's just say my friend Linda over here stands at the door and says, that's a beautiful buffet but I'm, I'm just not really worthy to eat anything. But I'm just going to watch them because it's really good. I would really like to, but I'm just not worthy to do it. And let's go over here, and let's say my mama gets ready to leave, and they stop her at the door, and they say, you have to pay. You've eaten. You have to pay. And she said, no, I don't. And they say, yes, you do. And then we go back and forth, and, and they say, well, we're going to call the police. And I said, well, go ahead, call the police. Do what you got to do. It's okay. And they call the police, and here come all the police. They're, they're all ready to go, and they're demanding to know what's going on. They got their little handcuffs out. And here mom whips out the receipt and says, but it's paid. My friends paid for it. So what do the police do? They look and say, hey, listen, it's paid. We can't make her pay for something they paid for. It's paid. Sorry, nothing we can do. We have to go. See, and set it free. So let's come back to my friend over here that didn't think that they were worthy to participate. That is not her. She knows, she knows her rights in God. But that same receipt paid for her to partake in that same meal. So let's take it to the scriptures. What do the scriptures say? He sent his word and healed you and delivered you from all destruction. All right? Jesus, God said that Jesus, on Jesus, everything was put on him at the cross. Now, what did Jesus say about that? He said, nobody takes my life. I've laid it down. He freely gave to us God put on Jesus all the iniquity, all the disease, everything that came in the fall of man that was against God was paid for at the cross. Your receipt is the word of God. Your Bible, that's your receipt. And if you, in one instance, stand in the corner and say, I'm an old sinner saved by grace, but I'm an old sinner. No, you were an old sinner saved by grace, but you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You've been made. Think of a, a vase that holds these beautiful flowers. Is it trying to be a vase? Or is it? 
We have been made the righteous. We have been put in right standing with God. God is not mad at us anymore. He is not out to get us. He said, freely, freely he has given. He's disposed to show favor. His tender mercies are over all his works. Are you a work? I am. That means his tender mercies are over me today. His loving kindness is over me today. His grace and his mercy is over all of us today who are in covenant. All right? So if you refuse to see it as God sees it and enter in as a righteousness of God, you will never partake of the buffet. You will never partake of what Jesus bought and paid for. And on the other side of that, if you're stopped by the enemy, how many of you have ever been stopped by the enemy from getting something God says is yours? I could lift up both my hands above my feet, but I would fall on the floor, so we're not doing that. So, if you've been stopped, did you take your receipt and give it to the devil and stand and demand what is yours? Or did you say, I guess I have to pay. I don't know. Let me find my pennies. Did you do it that way or did you demand? How do you demand? How do you demand the word of God? God is not a man that he should lie. So here comes the report. And here's the doctor who you hardly know. Bless God. Thank you, Jesus, for doctors because without them, I don't know where we'd be. But here's this person that you barely know. You've seen a dozen times in your lifetime to give you reports. And he says, or she says, I'm just so sorry, but you better make your affairs, get them in order because the end is near. All right? Let me ask you something. Well-meaning, well-intentioned, practicing what he knows, trying to do the best he or she can and give you what you need, but is it the final word in your life? It is for many people, isn't it? Because what happens after they leave that office? How many people do they tell about the report? How many people, how many times do they rehearse what is going on and what the enemy's camp has told them? They have taken their receipt, they put it in the drawer, and they have gone over to the enemy's camp, grabbed the hole of the enemy's hand, and said, come on, I'll go with you wherever you want me to go. I'll endure all that stuff. Where they can just as well say, I understand what is going on. Because there is truth, the word of God is truth, and there is natural Facts. There's facts. The fact of the matter is somebody got a bad report. The truth is, is that God's word says, receipt, by his stripes, I am healed. Now, before the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world is when the price was paid. About 2,000 years ago is when it happened in the natural, right? But before the foundation of the world, God spoke. And so I have to say this, whose report do you believe? Are you going to believe the report of the enemy or are you going to believe the report of the Lord? Yeah, but you don't understand how much it hurts. Yeah. You don't understand what I've been through. That's true. You don't understand how rotten it's been. Yeah. But if it's too much for Jesus, you're talking to the wrong person. I don't know what you've been through any more than you know what I've been through. 
and we don't want to be alone in those things, but the truth of the matter is he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He never moves. But he says, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. He said, Proverbs 4.20. Let's go there. Whatever version you use, it's wonderful. Um, I was brought up on the old King James, and I just have not been able to transition to a great deal. I use all the scriptures, all the different versions, uh, but what's in my heart deep down inside is what comes out. So I think the, 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 um, the new King James is what will be up there, so the couple of words will be a little different, but the meaning is the same. My son, 420, Proverbs, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my saying. Let them, what is them? God's word. Let them, the receipt, the one that proves that you have what God said is yours. Let them not depart from your eyes. All right, now let me ask you something. You get a report that's rotten news. What is some of the things people typically do? Call, tell everybody about it, right? What are they doing? Every seed produces after its own kind, does it not? That's what the Bible says. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest is in effect. And so when you plant a seed, the seed gets watered, it gets nurtured, and it grows up and becomes. You can go to Mark 4 and, and, and read about that. Any seed planted always will grow up and become something. So if you're planting seeds of the enemy and you're watering it by telling everybody what the circumstances are instead of what God says, then you are producing a plant that is against you. However, if you get the report, the fact of the matter is you got this rotten report. The truth of the matter is he sent his word and he healed me and he delivered me. So when you talk about attend to my words, Attend to my words. It does not say attend to the devil's words. It does not say attend to the enemy's words. It says attend to my words. Incline, my ear unto your, incline your ear unto my sayings. Let God's word not depart from your eyes. Keep, keep, keep them in the midst of your heart for they. What is they? God's words. God's word. God's word are life unto me that find them and health to me, to all my flesh. So what is healing? God's word. Jesus became flesh, dwelt among us. Jesus is our healer. The word of God is your receipt. It's your proof that you have from God what God says is yours. But just like our example where the, um, the owner called the police, do you think the enemy is going to give up easily? You know, if you get this horrible diagnosis and all of a sudden you, 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 be, you receive the word of God, and the fact of the matter is Jesus already healed you 2,000 years ago. It's already done. So we're positioning ourselves to hear and to be healed, to hear and to be healed, to hear and be healed. As we hear the word of God, it brings forth life. Life or light will dispel the darkness. Always, every time. All you got to do is go in a dark room, turn off all the lights, and flick one on. Darkness always flees. Darkness always flees. We are so practiced in, we are so practiced in the world's way of doing things. Let's go over Romans 12, 1 and 2 real quick. Romans 12, 1 and 2. 
it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Who presents? We do, right? And it's an active thing, is it not? You can't just do something and say, okay, that's the end of it, because we are the body of Christ, are we not? So Jesus, Holy Spirit, God the Father, inside of us, we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so we are the temple. Our shell, this thing that you see, is temporary. But the real me, the spirit man, lives forever. So you are a spirit. Remember in Genesis, it says, let us make, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, said, let us make man in our image. And the, the scripture says, if you go back and, and, and do some study, it says, man became a speaking spirit. Now, when you were born again, did you wonder, ever wonder, maybe, you know, maybe I was just goofy, but I wondered how all of us look different, but we could all be made in God's image. You know, how could you have fat and skinny and short and tall and all the different colors and everybody be made in God's image? Well, if you put, every, if you put all of them together the way God designed it to be and you, you get all the races together in one accord, they come together and they fit, but the outward shell is still in the outward shell. It's been purchased, but when do we get a brand new body? In heaven, Right? Okay, let me, okay, I'll just stop there for a second. God said to ask, um, is there any sickness in heaven? There's none, is there? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is no sickness in heaven. So if there is no sickness in heaven, which is truth, then why do we have all these weapons to fight sickness and disease and then say, I'll be whole when I get to heaven. Is the devil in heaven? Everybody ever say, have, have you ever heard anybody ever say, well, when I get to, when I get to heaven, I'm going to really whip up on the devil? He's not there. So what does that tell us? Our tools are here on earth and we are to overcome here on earth, not in heaven. We're supposed to be overcomers here. How do you overcome? By the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. The blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Your words matter. Where you put your eyes matter. What you say matters. You either hook up with the things of God or the things of the enemy. I don't think there's really a neutral, because the neutral... Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, that means set apart, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We're not even doing anything above and beyond at this point. And he said, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Okay, I like to paint this picture for, uh, for conforming to transforming this way. A caterpillar to a butterfly. That's how we ought to be. You know, we were once a caterpillar, pretty powerless, you know, pretty easy to be stepped on, but now we're that beautiful uh, butterfly. We, if you try, if you are a butterfly, born again, child of God, if you are a butterfly and try to operate in caterpillar rules, how long do you think you're going to make it? Not very far. 
but we are called to be transformed. And, you know, the scripture says you renew, you live out your, your um, let, me, let me recall it accurately before I say it. Um, but the transformation is this. It says by the renewing of your mind. To what? What are you renewing your mind to? The truth. So you have to take a stand that what God says is what I believe. And I'm purposing to change everything that I think that's contrary to the word of God to be in line with God's word. All right. So let's go from here. Let's get back in my notes a little bit. You must know God's promises, his word. And this, you know, in Proverbs 4 where it says, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from their eyes. Keep them in the midst of their heart for their life, their life, and their life. The word of God is true no matter what the circumstances. Now, your faith. Now, God says he has given to every man the measure of faith. But it also says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so it's up to us to get our ears in tune with the word of God says to increase our faith because your faith will make a way for you when no way looks possible. You know, have you ever been in a situation where you just don't know what to do? You've just been, you've got all this stuff coming at you, the reports are bad, the, the pain is bad, life is not good, and nobody loves me, nobody cares what I'm going through. You ever been there? <laughs> you know, it's the pit, isn't it? It's the pit. My friends and I, we have agreements that um, the only time we go down the pit is to get in there and get somebody out. I'll help you. I'll do whatever I can. I'll go down in there, push you out, pull you out, tug you out, put a rope around your ankles and drag you out, whatever it takes, but I won't stay in there with you. There's no victory in the pit. And you know that thing about if you're in a hole, quit digging, quit digging. How do you do that? The words of your mouth, their life, their life. If you got, uh, when I was praying this morning, um, I believe that the Lord told me somebody was coming who had, was oppressed, had depression, oppression, and just heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. And you know what the scripture says for that? It says, put on the garment of praise for a heavy heart. Well, I don't want to. Yeah, nobody really does when they feel like that. Nobody does. But you'll be surprised what happens when you start saying, Lord, you know that I know that you know that I'm not wanting to do this, but I know that you said in your word that if I will praise you, I have victory. And so you just start telling them, how many things are we grateful for? There's so many things wrong in society today, but how many things are we grateful for? You got food, you got clothing, you have some friends or acquaintances, you got God who loves you, he never lies, you are never, ever, 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 ever alone, ever. He said he will never leave you, he will never forsake you. And guess what? He's not out to get you either. Has anybody messed up in the last week? Let's not raise our hands here, we'll keep them down. Do you know God still loves you? Let me ask you this. If he was out to get you, how long would it take him to find you? I mean, think about, it says the traditions of man make the word of God of no effect. None. Nothing. Simple. 
Zilch. So why do we want those traditions that are anti-God? I don't. I want victory in my life in every area. You know, we can have it. We're not limited. And you know what? Me getting something doesn't mean that you don't. You getting something doesn't mean I don't. God's not a respecter of persons. He'll do for you, and it's not a hard thing. You know, I talk about this a lot of times because it's really important to where we go in life, in the things of life. But a quality decision is mandatory. You know what a quality decision is? Quality decision is one, there's no more argument. No more argument. I have decided this. I am going on. So you get the bad report, and you think about the good report, and you cry in between, and you think, whose camp am I going to be in? Well, I've decided I'm going to be in the Lord's camp, and I'm going after everything. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of God. And the next thing you know, here you get another report, and then your body is talking. It's talking louder than it's ever talked before, and every pain pill in the world is not doing anything about it. Whose report do you believe? Whose report do you? How do you believe the report of the Lord? You get it in your eyes. You get it in your ears. It drops down in your heart because you're speaking it. You're speaking it. And a lot of times you, you start out not necessarily believing. You believe it. Let's put it this way. You hope it's true. Have you ever been in a situation where you hope you can get as long as you stay in hope, you will always be in the future and you'll never get. But faith is now. Now faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Yeah, but you don't understand my body hurts. What does the word of God say? You have a responsibility. So when you make that decision, there is no more argument. I'm going after what God says. If I can see it in the word, it's mine. I can have it. I'll talk about receiving in a second. So you make the quality decision. But you know what? There's no more retreat in a quality decision. You know, there's no more hightailing. Have you ever noticed your armor? Put on the whole armor of God, the shoes of the gospel, the girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith to quench all your fiery darts of the wicked, and the sword of the word. Guess what? What's covering back there? He never meant for us to retreat. That armor is a going forward armor. It's not a cutting out and running. He said, you will reap if you faint not. Well, glory to God, I'm not going to faint. But you know what the Bible says? Though I fall, I shall arise. Now listen, I don't know about you, but I do know about me, and there's been plenty of times that I've been crawling in the gravel. You know? But you know what? The quality decision will pick you up and take you somewhere and make you go forward. You hook up, you know how the guy with the four crazy friends had on the stretcher, brought the guy in, and they came to the meeting. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. They're, the meeting is packed, and they get to the meeting. It's packed. Who convinced the guy to get on the stretcher? He can't do anything, so he's, he's born by four. Who convinced the four to go get the guy and take him to this meeting? How many times have we been stopped because the meeting's been full? Oh, that's too full. I don't really want to go in. You know there's going to be a lot of people there. I don't know that I want to do that. Look at what these people did. They went in. Jesus is preaching. They heard something about Jesus. 
They heard something. These four came for his friend to be to be here to hear and to be healed. They heard something and they made a quality decision. We're going. Yeah, but he can't walk. Yeah, but what are we going to do? Yeah, but where did they get the tools to get in the roof? I don't know. I have no idea. Did it stop them? No, they made a quality decision. Now, what would you think? Here's Jesus up here, and he's a preaching, and he's doing everything, and some goofy person started tearing up the roof. And then the next thing you see is here's the stretcher coming down. Now, listen, how about you being the one on the stretcher? You got four crazy friends who have got you in their hands. You know, you, you think about all the different emotions that come with it. Embarrassment, we're stopping this. What did Jesus do? Jesus said, hey, bud, you're interrupting the meeting. Go away. He never did. Look, if you look at the accounts in the scriptures, Jesus was always going somewhere, doing something, ministering, and somebody is coming up, tapping him for faith. The woman with the issue of blood. She said, if she made a decision. She took her life in her own hands to go in that crowd. She could be stoned. And she gets out there and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. So she's going out and she's trying to do it. And she sneaks around. But Jairus had come and said, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her and she'll live. That's what Jairus said. Now, he was the ruler of the synagogue. Who was persecuting Jesus? The rulers of the synagogue, right? So do you think he took his whole life, his whole statue, his position, his, where he got his resources from? Do you think he made a, a bold choice to step out and go to the feet of Jesus and said, please come. I need you. My daughter's dying. Come, lay your hands on He didn't say that. He said, come, lay your hands on her, and she shall live. He made a declaration of faith. So in the middle of all this, who comes up but the woman with the issue of blood? She's coming in. Who has the ability to stone the woman? Jairus. So here she comes up. She touches the hem of his garment. She knows in herself immediately Jesus said that he knew that virtue or power had gone out of him. He knew immediately. So she's ducking back. She's trying to get out of this crowd. And he turns around. He said, who touched me? And the disciples finally kind of said this. Are you nuts? What do you mean? Who touched you? Who didn't touch you? Look at this crowd. There's everybody here. Who didn't touch you? But the scriptures don't record anybody else having virtue, having power, getting healed, but the woman of issue of blood because she released her faith. And so all this is going on, and Jesus said, and he looked around. So all of the, everybody that says Jesus knew everything, he looked around to see. He, it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit who it was. And so the woman, fearing and trembling, came to Jesus and came his feet and told him all the story. Now, my friend says it this way. When's the last time you've heard a woman tell all the story and it took a minute? Jairus' daughter is dying. She had the point of death. What if it was your daughter? 
and you're stopping for this woman with the issue of blood who is, was illegally in that whole group of people. And she is telling her story. Do you care about her story? You care about your daughter, don't you? And so here comes the bad news. Now I want to ask you something. Before Jairus came, what was Jesus doing? He was ministering to somebody, doing something, teaching something, wasn't he? That's what the scripture says. And when, Je when Jairus came up to him, what did he do? He stopped everything he was doing because there was a demand made on faith. Faith demand was made. Jesus pays attention to faith. It's impossible to please God except by faith. So here comes the report. The woman's telling all the story, and here comes the report. Don't worry anymore. Don't trouble the master because your daughter's dead. What did Jesus say? Fear not. Only believe. You don't hear, nothing's recorded that Jairus said, but we know the girl was raised up, wasn't she? It's an interesting part of that story. I don't have time to go into that. But so how did Jairus get his healing for his daughter? The way he said, right? If you will come, lay your hands on her, she'll be made whole, right? How did the woman, the issue of blood, get her healing? She said, if I could touch just the hem of his garment, I could be made whole, right? Did Jesus determine either way? That healing came forth? No, he didn't. And if you look in the scriptures, now in one place, it says Jesus there could do no mighty miracles. Why? Not he would not, but he could not do any mighty miracles. Why? Because of their unbelief, so he laid his hands, and a few folks with minor ailments were healed. But do you know the very next thing that he did? He went out teaching. Went out teaching. He went out. Why? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, changed from a caterpillar to a butterfly by the renewing of your mind, by changing how you think to what God thinks. I say this all the time, and so some of you are probably tired of it, but I have a brownie recipe that I think is just absolutely wonderful. I import the best ingredients. They are just, you know, uh, absolutely the finest ingredients. I mix everything together just wonderfully. The smell is so awesome. But after it's baked and coming out of the oven, before I, before I let you have any, I want to tell you about one little tiny ingredient, a half a teaspoon that I add. And before you take of it, I want you to know if you still want it after I tell you the ingredient. And so I just tell you that I put just a little half a teaspoon of manure in there because manure nourishes the plants, right? It's a good, nutritious thing, right? Does anybody want any of the brownies? Well, no. I don't know what kind of nut bag would bake that anyway. I don't, just for, for, for reality purposes. I don't. But why do we think that we can do everything God's way except for a little half a teaspoon of our way and get untainted results. If God says life and death are in the power of the tongue, then life and death are in the power of the tongue. Get your words aligned with what God says. Well, I don't know how to do that. All you got to do is find a couple scriptures and start talking to yourself. Put them in your eyes. Put them in your ears. 
put them out of your mouth. It will sink down in your heart. And you know that the word of God is alive and working inside of you when it starts coming back out of you, when you start hearing it, when you wake up in the middle of the night and the Lord said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Fear not, only believe. You get that kind of stuff going. You get one word from God. There is nothing any report can do for you. Do to you, do through you, do upon you, nothing. The word of God is truth. And if you will stand on the word of God, you will get exactly what the word of God says it's yours. Just don't taint it with your own. You know, it says the religion makes the word of God of no effect. But you know, faith begins where the word of God is known. You know why that is? How can you have confidence in something you don't know anything about? You know, if a stranger came up to you and said, don't worry about your house payment next month, I'll pay it for you. Would you say, oh, yeah, great, wonderful, and then not make provisions to pay your house note? No. You don't know anything about that person. You don't know anything about their word. They may or may not do what they say. But if your best friend for all your life who's been credible and has enormous finances and says, hey, listen, don't worry about your house note. I'm going to pay your next house note. You would not think of anything about it, but you would expect to see the house note receipt the next month paid. You would not be struggling to look for it. You wouldn't do anything, but you would, you would act on what that person had told you. Well, that's how we're supposed to do God. God is not a man that he should lie. He hasn't made, he hasn't made healing hard. He has not made healing hard. He's made it easy. But the traditions of man and things that we've learned in our own being of not being, quote-unquote, worthy to receive have come into play. You know, it says if our heart condemn us not, then do we have confidence towards God. Well, if your heart is condemning you about something, get it right. You know, have you ever made a mistake and it always comes back and live in color? And it talks to you and it tells you, and years later it comes back and says, you know, when you did this, they still think you're just awful, blah, blah, blah. And you get around a person where you've embarrassed yourself and you think, oh, they still think that. Well, really and truly, most people have forgotten. And the ones that drag it up all the time, they're going to drag it up no whatever. But you know what? If it's still in there and it's still talking to you, there's some unforgiveness in there. It's stuffed in there. It's hiding in a corner. Get rid of it. In the scripture, it says this. God says that if we don't forgive, he cannot. It's not that he will not. It's that he cannot. Let's go to uh, Mark. Matthew, let's see, where do I want to go? Mark 11. Let's go there. Mark 11. Yes, and it is true, for whoever asked that question, every person here can leave free today. It doesn't have to take years, even if it has taken years. You can be free when you leave today. Um, heard that in my spirit. Okay, Mark 11, 22 says, Have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith, or simply put, just believe God. Um, you know, when, when I teach about faith, one of the things, when we, when we look at the definition of faith, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by faith, the elders re obtained a good report. Um, and, you know, they feign it not. 
because they didn't look at circumstances. They considered not, you know, um, Abraham considered not his own body, which was now dead. In other words, he took his eyes off of everything that was limiting him, that he couldn't, that he wouldn't do, and the natural looked impossible. But he said, it says he was fully persuaded, fully persuaded. He staggered not at the promises of God being fully persuaded. And so when I, when, I, when I teach about faith a lot of times, what I tell people is faith to me is believing that God will do what he said in his word for me, for me. That means for you. you have, at some point in time or another, you have to take it out of somebody else and put it back to me and that God will do this for me. God has already done this for me and I'm position myself to receive. So he says this. He said, have faith in God for verily I say unto you what, that whosoever, are you a whosoever? Yes. Whosoever shall do what? Say. Say. That means our tongue has to be doing something here. We'll say unto the mountain, what is the mountain? Any sickness, any disease, any problem. Have faith in God, for verily I say to you that whosoever shall say to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says, said, which he said, shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he said. This is in red, Jesus spoke it. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, pray, believe you receive, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. The scriptures are really loaded with a bunch of things. You, us, we are to speak the word of God and tell those things that we've been diagnosed with. Tell those problems to be removed and cast in the sea. And don't doubt in our heart. The only way to not doubt in your heart, to be more full of the word of God than you are the problem. And he said, when you pray, believe that you receive. Notice it says in the scriptures, it does not say in the scriptures, when you pray, look and hope for it to come to pass. So what does it mean when he says, when you pray, believe that you receive? Got to go back to the definition of faith. Faith is the substance, the title deed, the proof that you have what God says you have, but the evidence of things your natural eyes and ears don't see, and your natural senses. Our natural senses are the lowest form. The enemy operates in those. God operates spirit to spirit. So when you believe that you receive, will you hand me this, please? When you pray, whatever it is you prayed for, you're asking for something, right? And so when you ask for it, you take possession. Yeah, but my body still hurts. Do you have possession of your healing? Then you do what the scripture says. You speak to those symptoms. You command those symptoms. You command those things to change. Be removed. And yeah, but I don't see anything happening. Well, I'm not asking my eyes. I'm not asking my body. I'm not asking anything. I'm on the word of God. What does the word of God? That's the only source. When you make that your final authority, then everything else has to go. Now, that which you have possession of, 
Are you begging for it? So if you're asking to be healed and you received healing, are you asking for healing again? Are you asking for the same thing over and over again? Are you begging? How goofy would it be for us to go to our mama's house years ago? You remember when they had the big spreads on Sunday afternoon and we'd go to church and then come home and grandma would have all this food and you sat at the door and said, Grandma, I'm so hungry. Can I eat? And she said, quit goofing around go to the table. But you just stayed there and you begged for a crumb off the thing when everything was provided for you. See, when we receive, we no longer are in that position we've received. And so now it's Thanksgiving. You continue to speak to the mountain. You continue to do what the word of God says and speak to the mountain. Well, it doesn't look like it's changing. Well, the reality is it's already changed in that spirit world that these natural eyes cannot see. And what you are doing it is you are pulling it from the spiritual world into the natural, and it will manifest in your body. Don't give up, cave in, and quit. But it's not you. Let's go over to Hebrews 4. Well, let me go to James 1 first. Let's go to James 1. Hold uh, Hebrews 4 in your, in your sights, please. In James 1.5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him... Ask of God that giveth to all liberally and upbraideth not, means it doesn't scold, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord, for a dual-minded or a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways." So, and if you drop down to 17, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And so he says, if you lack wisdom, if you don't know what to do, if you don't know how to do it, ask him. He'll give it to you. He doesn't scold you. But it's that thing again when you ask, well, I prayed for wisdom, and I'm sure hoping it's showing up. Are you in faith or hope? Hope is always in the future. Faith is always now. If you prayed for it, then you should have received it. And so here's what I tell myself. I said, I take it at the amen. I believe I receive it. Now, if I'm asking for wisdom in a particular situation and I just don't know what to do, then I'm going to still walk it out. But I am going to be telling myself and thanking God, Father, I thank you you gave me wisdom. I have it. I know what to do when I don't know what to do. I thank you, Father. And you know what happens is that Holy Spirit, deep down in here, comes up and gets to your mind that which you need. He's never late. But if we try to do it by ourselves, we say, well, I prayed for wisdom, but I don't, you know, I don't know. I hope I have it sometime. You've never taken possession of. And if you haven't taken possession of it, you can't use if you haven't taken possession. Does that make sense? So when we're going for healing and we hear the word of God, we believe the word of God. Let's go to Hebrews 4. There's a couple things I really encourage you. Hebrews 3 and 4, really good scriptures to read because it will put you in a position. And the other thing is Mark 4, I just um, absolutely can't tell you so much about Mark 4, 
Anything you plant, the seed will grow up and become. If you need healing, plant the word of God concerning healing because health and wholeness is the product of that. And it will grow up and become. The word declares it. So um, I'm going to go to Hebrews 3. Let me start in verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of what? Unbelief. Now listen, any time we believe against God, we have what the Bible calls an evil heart. First time I read that, I was just cut to the quick. I'm thinking, oh my, how many times a day are we against God in our thinking? I'll never be able to do that. I don't know. That just seems so impossible. I'm not going to make it through that. All of that stuff is unbelief. That is not what God has called us to do. He's made us more than a conqueror. So he said, but exhort one another daily while it's called today. Least any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ. The anointed one is anointing. And um, if I get time, I'll show you another definition I found for that last night, which is wonderful. Um, if, we, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, how they heard did provoke, but let me, let me, let me get it. Let's go down a little bit. Um, 18, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. You can stop your healing. You can stop it. It's God's will for you to be healed. It's God's will for you to be whole. It's God's will for you to be prosperous. All of that is true. But if we align ourselves in the enemy's camp instead of God's camp, if we think that, yeah, I know the word of God says that, but I don't know how I can apply it to my life, we're disqualifying ourselves for something that which God has already qualified us for, already paid for it. It already belongs to us. Therefore, he said, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us entering into rest, any of us should come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. For we which have believed do enter into rest. Remember in Mark 11, it talked about you speak to the mountain and do not doubt in your heart. All right? So when we get to them, when we have believed, we enter into rest. So what is our work? Look, verse 9. Therefore, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God, does, God did his. Let us labor, therefore, or trust God, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Listen, we don't fool anybody. We can say, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, I am so healed. And our thoughts and our intents and our unbelief choke the word and stop the word from functioning. 
in our life. God is freely, freely, freely given to us. He said in verse 16, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we have the ability to go boldly to the throne of grace and get whatever we need based on the word of God. But we, our labor is to get the word of God in us and so big in us that we believe God more than we believe any of our physical senses. We believe by his stripes, I am healed. We believe. Here's the way I receive. I don't know if it will help you or not, but the way I receive when I'm going for something is I speak to the problem just like the word of God says. I tell myself what I believe. And sometimes when you're in the most pain is the time you really have to double down and start doing it. When it's not looking like anything's going to... I don't know, I can tell you a bunch of things. I was traveling one year, and I was um, uh, in Montana, and this is probably the best example of something that was absolutely impossible in my life. I, was, um, I had to have this roof done, and I hired somebody based on somebody's recommendation uh, that didn't turn out to be a wise choice. So somewhere along the way, I missed God. And um, so here it is. The roof is half undone, and he didn't bring any tarps. And here's coming the rain. I mean, it's just a miserable circumstance. I prayed for like three days. I said, dear God, nothing ever leaked on it, but it was getting old. And so here, a friend of mine came and brought some tarps. And then, you know, I'm out of town, so I don't have any of the tools and stuff I need. And, and uh, here I am. So I got these little leaks coming down, and I'm praying for everything I'm worth. And I'm talking to, I'm talking to all the the weather and all that kind of stuff. Well, I had to run into town, and I was about 15 miles outside of town where I was staying. I had to run into town, and I'm waiting, and the guy is not cooperating, and I'm just, you know, beside myself, and this guy is starting to talk to me over here, and I thought, okay. And so I'm being nice and talking. He said, oh, hasn't it just been horrible? It's been raining so much. I thought, it hadn't been raining by me. Everything had rained. It was drizzling a little bit over this little plot of land. It's, all I was doing was drizzling in that area, and it's pouring down rain everywhere else. I thought, well, thank you, God. That's a miracle. That was an answer to prayer. You know, I didn't want any, but I was happy there. And so I'm in the middle of this, and the roofer guy gets sideways because I want something quality done, and he probably had not been capable even though he, uh, you know, he, he did that. So I'm up. The night before, we have this, um, it's, it's, uh, it's fall, it's very cold. I think it was fall anyway. But anyway, all we have is this little heater thing we have to put wood in to get heat in the house. And so I run out there and I got some wood and I'm, I'm doing this and I touch the side of this uh, fireplace. And I closed it with my finger and I burnt the top of my finger just about off, I'm thinking. And I mean, it was just horrendous. I got some ice and... And here I am, and I'm walking the floor, and I'm telling my finger, no, you won't in the name of Jesus. You are healed. Now, the thing hurts. I mean, it hurts. It hurts so much that I was thinking about going to the emergency room, which, you know, I've never been except to take somebody else. And so I'm thinking, I better go have a tenant to. Well, I took the word of God, and that's what I talked the word of God. That's what, I mean, that's all I did. And I put it up when I went to sleep that night. I'm, like, I'm talking to it. I wake up. It hurts. It hurts. I'm talking to the pain. I'm doing everything I know to do based on what the word of God told me to do. I finally got some sleep. But I walked the floor, and I needed five things. I told God, 
I will lift up my eyes until the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from you. There's nobody else that can do anything here. I've got to leave in two days. I don't have a choice. This has to be done. It can't be a mess. I've got to have it all done. I needed five things. I don't remember all those five things, but I remember that roof was one of those major things. That finger was another. I woke up the next morning. I had a little tiny pink spot. You would never known anything was there. It didn't hurt. Somewhere in the middle of the night, the pain all left. I woke up. The next morning, five roofers showed up for me. Five roofers. Their job had suddenly been done. Experienced roofers showed up and finished the job. I, I, I can't on the top of my head recall what the other three are, but all those five things I got from God overnight. I want to ask you something. Do you remember when Joseph was stuck in prison for something he didn't do? Do you think he knew 24 hours before that he was free, that he was going to be free? Do you think he knew 12 hours ahead of time? Do you think he knew 20 minutes ahead of time that he was going to be free? What if he had given up and caved in and quit? Nothing looked like it was right. Nothing looked like it was going to go the right way. But your faith will produce. Now, it's faith hooked up with the Word of God. Without the Word of God, you don't have power to bring to pass what God said. But God's Word is God's word. He's not a man that he should lie. Let me, um, let me skip to the end, seeing as I didn't do anything in between. And I just want to tell you a couple things about the way God heals. And you can put these scriptures down in your notes if you want to take them. He heals by his word, always. Anywhere, anytime. You don't need somebody to lay hands on you. You can get it by his word. Anytime that you choose to hear and be healed, anytime you choose to receive, when you receive something, you take a hold of it, you just don't let it go. And you just continue. You just continue to do what the word of God says. Stand. Praise God. The enemy hates praise. He hates it. He hates it. He hates it. You have a heavy heart. Praise. You don't feel like doing it. Dance. Do something that some people say, well, you're really goofy. Yeah, I might be, but I'm free. You know, I'm free. If you think I'm weird, okay, join the crowd. There's a bunch of them do. But I'm free. I'm not shackled. I'm not hindered. I'm free. I want to be free in everything. If you get out of peace, get back in the peace. Be free. Your light is shining whether you know it or not. Somebody needs what you have. God put in you something so unique to you. You're the only one that can deliver what God has asked you to deliver. And if you're, if you're under the circumstances, then you have to start looking that. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. I overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of my testimony. I am an overcomer. God says that I am. If he says that I am, do you know what he said? He said, my thoughts towards you they're more numerous than the sands. Now, the first time I read that scripture, 
I thought, yeah, maybe Kenneth Copeland or somebody like that, but not me. And the Spirit of the Lord rose up inside of me and said, I thought you were going to believe what you saw in the Word. I thought, oh, yeah, I am. I repent. I repent. Change the way you think. Do you know that repenting doesn't just mean to turn the other way? I used to preach it all the time. It just means turn and go the other way. No, it doesn't. Repenting means to change the way you think. And the fruit of that will be a turn to the other direction. Okay, so he heals by his word. Psalms 107.20, sent his word and healed you and delivered you from all your destruction. Proverbs 4.20, Joshua 1.8 and Matthew 8.16 support that. Slow down. Psalms 107.20, Matthew 8.16, Proverbs 4.20-22, and Joshua 1.8. By his word. These are ways that you get healed. By the stripes of Jesus. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Matthew 8, and 8, 17, and 1 Peter 2, 24. Would you put up 1 Peter 2, 24 for me, please? You know, when you're going through a rough patch, if you will get before the Lord and get a word from God, ask God, just ask God what scripture you should stand on. That wisdom that comes will take you through hard places, will get you victory when it seems like nothing else will bring you victory, but it will keep you in peace because when the enemy rises up and all the stuff starts beating you up and that word, you start saying that word, your ears, there's a comfort that comes with that, but there's a strength and a power that rises up inside and, you know, literally pushes sickness and disease out. Sickness and disease can't stand in God's presence. That's why praise is so important. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Now, in Isaiah, it says, by his stripes, you were healed. And if you were, you are. And if you are, you is. Present tense, right now, I am, I am. Can I, can, I, can I ask you to think about it this way? If you were in your home, surrounded by all your things, an intruder comes in and just comes in and sits down in your living room chair and puts his little feet up on your coffee table and grabs your remote and starts watching TV, what would you do? You think you would just say, Huh, okay, make yourself at home, no big deal. I don't know who you are, but take whatever you want, whatever you want. Because that intruder will then be in your refrigerator. And then he's going to be grabbing one of your rooms to stay. Then he's going to be taking your money and taking your car. And before you know it, you're going to be evicted out of your house. Is that not how sickness and disease works? But at the first onset, the first time he sat in your chair, if you had got up and wrestled him and kicked him out, you wouldn't be being evicted. But we don't know what we don't know, but now we do. So you can take the word of God, and you can bind up the strong man, and you can kick him out, because the word of God gives you that authority to do it. You don't have to go along. 
All sicknesses, diseases is death in progress. It comes in, it sits down, it encroaches, it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger until it tries to push you out, and in many people it has pushed out of their earth suit. And they have gone on. Praise God, they go on to heaven, they go to a better place. But is your course done? Have you finished your course? Have you completed what God has called you to do? Are you done living? You know, I'm not going early, and I am not going sick. I may not be here for 120 years. I don't necessarily want to be if my course is done. When my course is done, I'm going home. I'm not doing it before then. God says, God says that I have rights. And I'm going to enforce those rights. Okay, by, his stripes, by the stripes of Jesus, by looking at Jesus, Numbers 21.9 and John 3.14, by anointed cloths. Anybody ever have a cloth? and you put it on you, and the sickness and disease leaves, it is fabulous. Acts 19.12, by believers laying hands on the sick. Mark 16.18, it doesn't take somebody laying hands on you for you to receive your healing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a point of contact. And so when I have somebody, when I'm praying with somebody, and they lay their hands on me or vice versa, when, when I'm receiving, I always say, I receive it at the amen. When I go to pray for somebody, when I put my hands on them, it's the point that I am releasing my faith for them to receive. Do you know that you can reject that anointing? Can I tell you how many times I've prayed for somebody, standing in front of them, believing God, I'm not taking my faith off of, but that anointing, I can sense, many people can sense, not all the time because we don't go by our senses, but many times you know the presence of God is there and you go to lay hands on somebody and it kind of just comes right back. There's like a block that comes. The person's not receiving. The person's not receiving. They're not cooperating with the Spirit of the Lord. It takes your cooperation to receive healing. You've got to receive it. It's your choice. God will not push it on you. Well, if healing is for everybody, why don't you go to the hospital and get everybody healed? I've heard people say that. I say, well, do you believe that God wants everybody saved? His scripture says he does. His desires are for everybody to be saved, for all of them to know. Will they all be saved? No. Why not? They don't choose our choice. They're not going to put anything on you you don't want. And then how can you believe that God is the author of sickness and disease? If you believe that and you believe that God gave it to you to teach you something, why would you go to the doctor to get it removed? What do you want it off of you? If it comes from God, don't you want more? You know, if God was for sickness and disease, he would make us use our faith to get it. Ooh, that is not even a good thought in my brain. Ooh, no, who wants to do that? See, God is always against. He said he came, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And all sickness and diseases is death in progress. So anyway, uh, laying on of hands, by anointing the sick with oil, James 5, 14 and 15, and praying over them in the name of Jesus, by the prayer of faith is James 5, 14, by the name of Jesus is Acts 4, 6 through 10. By faith in Jesus Christ, Matthew 8, 13, 16, and uh, Mark 10, 52. By partaking of the Lord's Supper, 
We could talk about this for a long time. 1 Corinthians 11, 29 and 30. By casting out devils, this is in the um, uh, NT version only, which is Matthew 17, 18 and Mark 6, 13. And then by a shadow, Acts 5, 15. I heard, I, I listened to this lady on TV the other day, and she was experiencing some of those things that Peter experienced as she was teaching and preaching, as she walked the shadow. She was so anointed, that, that anointing, that her shadow healed people as she walked by. This is just in this now, now, right now, here, today type of thing, news. Healing has not gone away. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you have come today to hear and be healed, God says, I will. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you and I praise you for your word. I thank you. It does not return to you void. It accomplishes that which you please. It prospers in the thing that it was sent to do. And I thank you, Father, for visitations, manifestations, and demonstrations of the Holy Spirit today. There is none like you. Thank you, Jesus, for healing. Father, I thank you that none of us leave the same. I thank you for the word of God that has been planted in each one of our hearts, and it will produce, Father, it is incorruptible seed, and I thank you for it. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you just have your way, however you want to do, whatever you want to do. We're yielded vessels, and we thank you for healing. Father, we thank you for wholeness. We thank you. I come against fear. In the name of Jesus, fear, I bind you right now to command you to go. You don't have a place here. Sit down and shut up in the name of Jesus. You don't have any place here. Father, I thank you. Confusion, you go in Jesus' name. You are not welcome here. Father, Jesus, I thank you for your peace. I thank you for your peace. I thank you, Father, for these, your children, that they have come. Believe in, Father. I put my faith with theirs for miraculous results, for changes. Father, yes, I declare that this stops here, that situation. This stops here in the name of Jesus. Father, we're asking you for a change in that situation in the name of Jesus. I'm asking you for freedom, for joy, for peace to flood their bodies in Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.